Welcome to System Mastery, the podcast recorded in two different bunkers worldwide. Today's episode will be all about Tunnels and Trolls, a 1975 game that might, just might, be the world's first heartbreaker. It sure broke our hearts to read it. Because of the sort of shit it is. Speaking of surprisingly long-lasting shit, it's System Mastery! Welcome back to System Mastery. It's me, your host, Jeff, joined, as always, by your host, John. Except, you know, I'm only sort of technologically and maybe metaphysically joined with John today. You're you're joined on a quantum level with me. That's right. We're, we're quantum entangled. Uh, it doesn't come up very often, but we technically do But there do are have plenty a... of pictures that we have been blackmailed with of us being quantum entangled. <laughs> you have to look real close. <laughs> You know, because it's quantum. You know, because uh, quantum means little. Yeah. And, and, you know, the problem with the whole quantum entanglement blackmail thing is that if you look close, in, it, it, when it gets really close like that, it all just looks like balls. <laughs> the thing is, as soon as you start observing our quantum entanglement, then it stops being entangled. <laughs> That's right. But uh, just know that, that John always has an equal yet opposite spin to whatever spin I'm currently doing. So, <laughs> And That's, there it so. is. Uh, you know, just because even distance cannot keep apart our love. <laughs> uh, or, you know, our, our desire to get paid for making a, tele- a, uh, a a radio show. Yeah, our love for getting paid. Oh, John, I don't know. Remember how you've been talking about wanting a soundboard? Yes. That plugs right into one of the, uh, our, our, our uh, pickup soundboards so we could, you could play radio DJ? Yeah, so I could just do dumb noises or, like, play music and everyone else would hear it? I have one. <laughs> Oh, cool. We got a synthesizer from my parents a couple of days ago uh, that has a a variety of sound effect settings and can also be uh, plugged into the XLRs on a on a uh, soundboard. Oh, that is sweet. (laughs) I don't think I could use it for like like uh, pre. Actually, I probably could use it for pre-programmed music, but it would take a lot of work. So just so you know, if you wanted to play a bunch of like horse sounds and people screaming and stuff, I have the tools. There is nothing I want more in life than to play horse sounds. <laughs> I mean, it's also my favorite Beach Boys album. Ah, uh, yes. Horse sounds. Number one hits <laughs> all the way down. Oh, Mike Love. You love to sing about horses. I hope you're in the Beach Boys, because that's the first name that came to hit my head. It should have been Brian Wilson. <laughs> when you think it, because of the Bare Naked Lady song, which is the easiest way to identify a Beach Boy. <laughs> Yeah, the only way to identify if someone's in the Beach Boys is, has the Bare Naked Ladies made a song about you? (laughs) It's 100% effective if you're looking at Brian Wilson. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Uh, So we do have a a book to talk about. Uh, One of the things that the pandemic has kind of done to us is forced us to retreat to the world of PDFs because we can't get books to each other. And if I only have one copy, we can't take turns reading it. Yeah, and uh, I have been sitting on this copy of the first Ed Tunnels and Trolls for a while now, mm-hmm. and uh, I thought this would be the perfect time to bust this bad boy out. Oh, it is fantastic for our current situation, because, I mean, 
people know that we already wrote one book, so they ha- they probably have to assume that at some point we were going to try and write another one. So we're in the middle of writing a book, and we cannot be in the same room, <laughs> and <laughs> we still have to make these shows. Uh, so we need short PDF books because that gets us through the work. Uh, and yes, the 1975 Tunnels and Trolls is about 42 pages long. <laughs> you know, you know, for a book that's only 42 pages long, it sure does pack a lot of offensive bullshit. It's, it's, it's dense. <laughs> it with, is amazing. With stuff to hate. Yeah. Like this, uh, right, right off the bat, let me just say that this is made by someone who comes right out and says like, hey, I barely skimmed through Dungeons and Dragons, but I'm making a better game. And I'm like, dude, it's 1975. No one knows what a role-playing game is, and you are just throwing shit at the wall. Yeah. His... And let me tell you, none of it's sticky. <laughs> so the guy in question is the author of Tunnels and Trolls, Ken St. Andre. And, uh, you know, as much as I disliked this reading experience, we have him to thank for the fact that we could do it. Because making a uh, a, re- a PDF reprint of the original 1975 book uh, was a Kickstarter reward for a 2013 relaunch of like a, a another edition of the game or something. Yeah, he was making uh, another Tunnels and Trolls edition, and one of the things you could like pledge at would actually give you an original copy of the rules, but that was the only one he had. So he was like, "Oh, I'm actually gonna." I'm just going to go ahead and scan this into a PDF real quick. I mean, yeah, it, it's kind of a neat historical thing that, that there this book that we're reading, there were less than 100 copies of in the oh, first yeah. place. Because this was a time period where games weren't widespread, so making 100 was kind of a hopeful thing to do in the first place. Oh, yeah, because this wasn't a, a thing where you were like, oh, I'm self-publishing and I'm going to get this out to stores. No, it was someone at a university who was like, I went to... Uh, like various clubs and stores around town and was like, who wants it? Yeah. So basically this could also be seen as sort of a spiritual sequel to another episode that we did a while back about a guy who read D and D once decided he didn't like it, went to his college and wrote a whole other role-playing game that sucked more. Hmm. hmm. It's amazing. fellow (laughs) wrote fantasy wargaming, the highest level of all. The difference between these two books is that uh, the fantasy wargaming guy was completely obsessed with medieval realism, even though, you know, he missed that mark by miles. I mean, he the real difference that... is the other guy was extraordinarily British. <laughs> yes. But I mean, he was exp- he was obsessed with verisimilitude. He spent all of his time being like, well, obviously, a fighter would never be in the same party as a cleric. Clerics are men of the cloth. They won't associate with knights. And if a witch is born, you should burn the witch. Where this guy basically tried to take the game aspects of D&D and make them even gamier. Yeah, the, the interesting thing about this is it ends up coming from where D&D came from sort of a tabletop war game position this guy definitely seems to be coming from more of a board game type where it's just like yeah we're just gonna roll dice highest one wins for like everyone Uh, to me this felt a lot like fantasy football like where you have to you have to get those pages of stats that are like oh the everybody on your your uh, fantasy draft ran a combined total of x yards so just take that number and when you're fighting another guy's fantasy football team you'll compare your yardage to his yardage yeah. 
this this feels like fantasy football without the football hmm. uh hmm. And, and with a lot of other horrible things instead uh but i mean just like the uh the fantasy wargaming this starts right out with uh, everyone's gonna need stats dungeons and dragons of course is a failure it's a terrible game and i think i'm the person who can improve it and fix it uh but the one thing they definitely got right was six stats that you roll 3d6 for uh because <laughs> obviously that that is I mean, what? that was got it in one buddy i don't understand why that's the one thing that seems to go into like all of these early heartbreakers is even when they look at literally every other system that exists in D and go no that's terrible i don't like that let's change this let's get rid of that every single time they're like but obviously 3d6 down the line is that's brilliant and we should keep that and you'll definitely need strength and dexterity and constitution and uh, what's this one got? Charisma. It's luck. all the same stats except we replace wisdom with luck. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So so and, and you do roll three d six down the line uh, to to generate those stats. In this game, however, those are just your starting array. Uh, the basic point of the game is to raise those stats absolutely as high as you possibly can. Yeah, it was really interesting to be like, oh, um. Like, you're going to get to a point where you have, like, 50 strength as a wizard. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which you're going to need, because, weirdly, spell magic is powered by strength. Yeah. Yeah. God damn. (laughs) So, yeah, there's a a lot to this, basically, that's unexpected or unusual. And like we were saying, this feels like it might just be the first heartbreaker that there ever was. Well, yeah. I mean, 1975... There's even a little part in this that's like the intro where Ken St. Andre is like, look, after hours of examining the rules of D&D, I reached two conclusions. One, $10 was too much to pay for three little booklets of rules. And two, the game could be simplified and changed to retain the best parts of the original idea with better ideas substituted for the things I didn't like about D&D. Thank you, Ken. Yep. <laughs> well, and then, of course, the, uh, the the first thing you need to do is generate your character. This is basically the first game that really tried to go, uh, as far as I know, anyway, complete meat grinder. Like, oh, just go ahead and make 15 characters, and if your character dies, who gives a shit? Oh, yeah, when it starts talking about, like, oh, most of the people that we played with would have between 3 and 15 characters, and you'll probably have a party of about 15 people. And I was like, holy fuck, okay. Mm-hmm. Because when you first look uh, through it, the math for a lot of things seems like, man, players are just going to get their shit kicked in. But then when you assume, oh, there's like 15 people, oh, okay, I get it now. <laughs> yep. Uh, the only other stats that there are at the beginning of this game are uh, gold, weight possible, weight carried, experience points, armor, and languages. Yeah. If you have those things written down, as long as you're type, because you choose one of three uh, classes effectively... Uh, you're done. Your whole character, it, the book actually says, your whole character does and should fit on an index card. Yeah. You know, you'll change your stats, so write everything down in pencil, but pretty much you can just have an index card with a few things written down, and that's about it. Yeah. And this is also the first point where the book starts to get offensive, and I gotta be honest, this book basically does all the different kinds of offensive yeah. in various types. <laughs> 
because we get to the intelligence. It's like, oh, roll three d six, and how do you determine what languages you speak? Well, my character that I'm making for as an example, Ferd the Unquenchable, has an intelligence of seven. He's too stupid to even speak basic language correctly. He has a lisp. Oh, great! Thanks. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so that's the first time you're like, oh no, mm-hmm. <laughs> oh. Because it starts pretty well. Like the first sentence of the of the book that isn't his intro is like, "Hey, this is a great system to make characters for an adventure. You can make heroic men and women who are going to delve into crazy dungeons uh, to discover treasure and so forth." Oh yeah, I mean, even in because he has a little not included in the original thing intro where he's like just jerking himself off and like you know back in the day I originally made this so that you could be. Like superheroes in fantasy settings, and I'm like, really? Because that's not coming through at all. The scale of player power has changed dramatically over the past 45 years. That's there's no question. Um, so the next thing you you have to do is pick your class. There's no requirements or minimums for the classes. There are only three classes, and they are you know pretty simple because they're based on the original D and D classes. You have fighter, rogue, and magic user. Yeah. Now they. As each of them doesn't really have powers as much as things that they are disallowed. <laughs> like, uh-huh. basically, that's what makes every single class. So if you're a warrior, you get to use whatever weapon you want, and you can add your strength on to your fighting and everything. The thing mm-hmm. is, you are disallowed any magic use. Okay. Yes. If you're a wizard then you get to use magic and you are disallowed the use of anything but one die uh, level of weapons, so like daggers and things like that. Yeah, and, you... and we'll explain what that means in just a second because yeah. it, it, it gets real weird real fast. And you also don't get to add anything to combat. So regardless of how high your strength or dexterity or anything else is, uh, wizards don't get to add anything on. Yeah. Yeah, so they're not supposed to be in combat. They're supposed to be mixing it up in spells. Of course, as we'll soon find out, spells are so expensive to cast in this game that that isn't going to happen. What? Uh, and then the third category, rogues. <sighs> Should rogues not exist. Rogues aren't rogues in this game. Rogues are, we can do the fighter stuff and we can do the wizard stuff, but our maximum level is seven. Yeah, it's really weird because it's like, oh, what's a rogue do? Well, rogues can also use you know, whatever weapons they want, and they get their bonuses to the weapons, and they have the ability to learn spells. They don't start with any, but they can be taught spells by a magic user. And only if that magic user has the spell that allows them to teach spells to rogues. But every magic user starts with it, because it's a level one spell, and magic That's users right, all, all start with all the level one spells. Yeah. But the thing is, the level system goes up to, like, level 20 and beyond, Rogues stop at seven and just can't go any further. And you might think, well, maybe I'll multi-class. Mm-hmm. No, because this game says, oh, if you try and switch classes, that is very frowned upon. So mm-hmm. if a magic user or rogue tries to change their class, they lose all the experience points gathered in their previous existence, so you might as well have made a completely new character. Now, rogues do have a special exemption to that. Uh, a rogue who has achieved level 7 and would like to leave the rogue class can choose to either be a level 5 warrior or a level 3 wizard going forward. Uh, but they don't get to keep any of the stuff that they gained from being a rogue, they just become one of those other two things. So it's I... effectively just a dalliance you go on, uh, 
and then give up and become worse than the other party members who are also probably level seven at the moment. Yeah, I don't understand because also like, oh, I became a level five warrior or whatever. You're like, okay, do I have to go back and recalculate? Like, take all of my stats back to what they were at level one? Did I have to know what my level one stats were and then go up to level five again? Or what What the Christ are you talking about, game? I just find it really interesting that the book seems to have... It, it basically picked up multi-classing because, or dual-classing because that was in D&D. But not the function of it or the purpose of it or anything. It's just still in here, broken. Like, there's a whole rule of who can multi-class it. First of all, it says no one should dual-class. It's frowned on, and, you know, it's very bad for your character to do it. Uh, Second, warriors cannot do it. They're not allowed to do it in any capacity ever. Mages can only turn into warriors. Uh, And if they do so, they lose all their mage abilities and start over as level one warriors. Uh, And rogues, we already talked about how they work. So he kept it in there. He made it different for all three of the classes, said you shouldn't do it anyway, and it doesn't do anything. It's yeah, it's literally just oh, I I guess I throw my character out and make a new one. Why <laughs> is this a rule? But they have the same name, I guess. Oh boy! You're I mean, still I guess third. you can you, don't... you can hold on to whatever loot you had because that's not XP. Yeah, I guess that's it. Yeah, uh, it, that way you don't have to kill third and replace him with Gerd. I guess that's really what's happening. Yeah. Um, and and also there's a section where he briefly mentions in the original book. The inspiration for the three classes, uh, the kind of fictional, he went with fictional book heroes. So uh, warriors are supposed to be Conan, wizards are supposed to be Gandalf, and rogues are supposed to be Kugel. Uh, Kugel the is it, is it pronounced Kugel? I don't, I don't know. I assume it's Kugel. I mean, there's no D in it, so it could either be Kugel or Kugel. But Kugel sounds real dumb. <laughs> Well, I don't know. Have you ever read the Kugel stuff, John? You ever, you ever read the Kugel series? It's actually, I mean, it's. I think it's called the Kugel Saga. Um, the, at least that's the book. Uh, this is, I, I actually haven't ever read any of the Vance stuff upon which Vancean magic draws its name. Indeed, neither have I. Uh, but Kugel Saga is Vance stuff, and I believe it's part of the, the generic Dying Earth Saga, with, which is the, where Vancean magic came from. Yeah. Kugel. Uh, Kugel is basically, uh, I, I mean, again, I'm not 100% on this, so don't quote me, but he's like the joke hero. He's like the Dan Hibiki of the of the, of the Dying Earth. Um, his, his whole deal is he's not really a wizard or, or a fighter. He's just a, a layabout piece of shit who keeps taking dumb jobs, sleeping with all the women there, because in Jack Vance's world, women will basically sleep with anyone who can get alone in a room with them. So the, the world is like, you know, keep the women in hidden rooms. Um, and he basically just gets in trouble and runs away again. Like every, that his whole story is just him being like, yes, I'll join your caravan. Oops. I slept with all your females. Bye. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I mean, it's a lot of the stuff sounds really interesting. Like one of the jobs he takes is like a guy who's in charge of the huge Marine worms that pull the ships in that world. Hmm. That's neat. It's a neat idea, but you know, again, the basic play of the story is uh, I'm going to go fuck these dimlit uh, these dimwit women and then run away. Oh boy, mm-hmm. just the kind of stories I'm looking for. Just the kind of thing you want to base one of your three classes in your game on. Uh, okay, yeah. speaking of of uh, you know, improper <laughs> speaking of basic sexism, the very next thing that we do after we build th- that stuff because we're done with how to build a character. That's oh, yeah. that's all. 
how to do combat and how to, and how spells work are going to happen a lot later. But but once you're done with those basic stat rolls, uh, you're going to go to how to make monsters, and it opens with um, a joke. I don't remember <sighs> if you remember this joke, John. Yes, it's monster making. Have you ever made a monster? No, but if you can get her head in a paper sack, I'll try anything once. <sighs> yeah, you get it? You get it? I made her. I made. I made yeah. a monster. You get? Well, I mean, made it maker? was like a common. <laughs> I don't think you have to. You have to do the made into mate kind of thing. I, I think it's just that in the time period, uh, made was just one of the synonyms for I recently banged. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, so, but that's. I mean, look. look first of all. I'll fuck a monster with its head out of a bag. Come on, that's that's rude. Look, get with the times. Everyone's a monster fucker now. Everyone today fucks beasts all the time. We're all about monster fucking here. Mm-hmm. Have you seen any of the movies recently? Come on now. <laughs> There's an Oscar-winning movie where basically a lady fucks Abe Sapien. <laughs> I mean, granted, this book did not get with the times because it's from the. Well, I guess it did. It got with the nineteen seventy-five times. Yeah. Uh, but but yeah, the, the, that's the opening joke. Keep in mind that that a lot of the margins of this book are basically jokes, like little, little, <laughs> so droll kind of things. Yeah. Uh, the but except none of them are. Most of them just hurt. <laughs> so monsters are interesting. They really only have one stat. To most monsters, you can build monsters like characters if you want for the purposes of like making a relevant one that gets a name and will survive a couple of encounters or something. Yeah, but most monsters just have one stat. Yeah, they've got just a monster rating, and that's it. And mm-hmm. the monster rating is there is there's no real guideline for it outside of hey, I don't know, <laughs> give them a number, go to town, who gives mm. a shit. <laughs> Uh, the only guideline is that the monster rating, uh, goes for each 10 points it goes up by, it increases the number of dice that a monster contributes to combat. Yeah. Um, so if you go ahead and say like, oh, I've got a monster with a rating of 63 that puts you solidly into the eight die category. Mm-hmm. Now, how you came up with a 63 is mostly, just like I did, you pulled a number out of your ass because there is nothing that says, like, oh, okay, uh, a monster should have a number based on this system. And no, it's just like, I don't know, figure it out for yourself. Who gives a shit? Yeah. Now, we do get a couple of very, very basic guidelines. There's no monster, like, bestiary in this book that would help you. Uh, but there are a couple of very basic guidelines listed here. Um it says that, for example, rats or dogs would attack in groups and have ratings of 30 or lower. Uh, then, well, I, I mean, the next thing they give you is an example of a Balrog named Balrog Maximus Meany. Uh, he lives on the fourth level of the dungeon and has a rating of 250. Yeah, and uh, on the fifth means... level, there's a flame-breathing dragon with a rating of 500. Now, 250 would contribute 25 dice in combat. Because uh, it's pretty simple. It's just the number, you know, it, it, you just take the tens digit. That's all it is. Yeah. Um, it, it does mean that you can encounter a monster with a rating between zero and nine that literally cannot contribute to combat. Well, um, but yeah. these numbers explode upward because, I mean, one of the things we might need to talk about here is the cosmology and kind of layout of the world that this game is set in. Uh, here, I'll do it. 
<clears throat> there was a world where there were a bunch of tunnels underground that were dungeons, and sometimes people would would foolishly venture into the dungeons to fight the monsters in the dungeons for treasure, and then they'd come up from the dungeon holes and they'd they'd spend that treasure on on uh, more gear so they could go back into the dungeons. Uh, each level of the dungeon metaphysically got harder than the previous dungeon level uh, by a measurable specific amount. The end. Yep, that's it. Uh, the I mean the one interesting thing about this is it sort of works like a push-your-luck sort of, like, board game, video game type thing, where your first level is just like, oh, these are your very easy monsters. Mm -hmm. And then if you get to the second level, everything just sort of doubles in difficulty every time you go down. Yeah. To the point where... The XP system actually gives you a bunch of XP if you make it up out of a certain level. So it'll multiply, like, you get 100 times whatever level you came back from, Mm -hmm. but you don't have to explore the level, which means once your group starts to run out of resources, she'd be like, yo, let's find the stairs, go down, and then come back up again and leave. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's very gamey, uh, and it honestly, it is one of the things that's copied from the way that D&D worked at the time, where the XP, you earn it from killing monsters, or more reali- realistically, finding gold. Uh, killing monsters gives XP based on their monster rating. It doesn't give you as much as just finding piles of money. Yeah, you get money, uh, killing, whatever level you got to for fame, uh Depending on what kind of items you got, you can get XP for that. Yeah. Uh, so keep it, this is one of the things that drives me nuts about games from this era is the, the monsters will automatically start to run away if they feel like they're losing the fight. Yeah. Uh, you don't get XP if you don't hunt them down and kill them. You, it's not about defeating the encounter. It's about murdering the monster. Yes. If a monster runs away from you, then you get nothing from that monster. Yeah. Now, and they this... run, they run away if they feel like you're you're going to win, or if they feel like they've done enough damage to you, or if the DM feels like he doesn't want you to have that XP. Now the uh, the thing is, this game doesn't just have murder monsters. Oh no, mm. you can also subdue monsters. Which at first you might think, oh neat, like I don't have to murder all of them. I can just get them to surrender and be like, haha, okay, great. Uh, I win, and I don't have to murder everyone. That's not uh, yeah, how that you, works. You, you could pay, play Pet Collector um, if you want. Basically, the way you do it is you have to beat the monster up till its rating is so low that it can no longer hurt you. Uh, and then you can you can do a check to see if you successfully subdue the monster. You do that by comparing uh, so the monster's star, uh, current monster rating against uh, a combination of two of your stats. Uh, and if, if your, uh, your stats exceed the monster's rating, then it becomes subdued and will follow you. Uh, there is a wizard spell that we're going to talk about when we get to the wizard spell section that could make them permanent slaves. Uh, well, otherwise... I mean, the thing is, capturing monsters says that the conqueror may tame and enslave it. You're already enslaving the monster when you do this. No, I know. What I'm saying is there's this wizard spell that makes them compliant slaves. Oh, I know. If you don't. If you don't make them compliant slaves, then when they get their hit points back, they'll attack you again. Well, they can, depending. If you have a good charisma, they might not. That's true. Yeah. Um, How does combat work? So the way combat works is it is uh, really weird because of the terminology they use. 
mm-hmm. being not the same thing that we would think of today. Because when they uh, talk no. about it, they're like, oh, all you do is you compare hit point totals. Mm-hmm. But hit point totals are not your actual like physical health in this. It is instead just the number of dice you roll. Yeah. So what will happen is one side, the player side, will get all of their dice together that you have for whatever weapons you're using. Mm-hmm. So if I'm using a one-die weapon, I'll roll a die. If you're rolling using like a five-die weapon, you'll roll five dice, whatever. And mm-hmm. then each character will add one to the roll for various things. So if you're a warrior, uh, every point in strength above 12 is a plus one to your roll. Uh, mm-hmm. Every point above 12 in dexterity is an additional point, and it counts twice as much for shooting. So if you're doing a ranged weapon, dexterity helps you way more. Mm -hmm. And then uh, if you have a decent amount of luck, that should also add into it. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Um... (laughs) you take that, and as a group, everyone rolls their dice puts all their ads onto it, and whatever your dice total is, is your hit points. Mm-hmm. The monster just has a set number of dice based on its rating. So, like, the 63 monster rating has eight dice that it rolls, but then also, depending on what turn it is, it just adds numbers onto it based on its rating. So in the first turn, it adds half of its monster rating onto whatever it rolls. Mm -hmm. And then every other turn, it gets a fourth of its current monster rating to the roll. Because as you beat the shit out of them, their monster rating goes down. Because their monster Mm -hmm. rating is their hit points, essentially. Now, one thing I wanted to mention when talking about combat in this game is that... uh, You remember how in... Uh, AD&D and other games we've read from roughly this era, there was the whole mapper and caller thing. Yes. Where they they give special roles to a couple of the players so they get to be like lieutenants at the table. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and most players at the table are not meant to address the DM or even even look at him directly. Uh, In this game, the caller gets so much more power than in other games Mm -hmm. that a lot of the characters at the table wind up feeling like they're just there to provide numbers. Uh, the caller will determine who fights who during a combat, uh, including grouping people up, telling other people that they have to fight a specific mon- monster individually, and then will report that to the DM. Uh, I mean, he's welcome to discuss that with other players if he wants to, but it, the book's description is like the caller will report to the DM who he who he assigns to fight where, hmm. which is very unusual. Um, but yeah, you can you can do things like uh, the caller says that this fighter is going to go fight these two. Uh, wolves by himself uh the rest of us are going to team up and fight these couple of orcs yeah and then you basically generate numbers and compare the number that you generate to the numbers that the monsters automatically generate and see who has a higher number yep and whichever number is lower loses and you lose health equal to the difference between the two numbers so that means if you fight a monster that has a particularly high rating they roll well and you roll like crap, you might just TPK in the first round. Mm-hmm. And it's especially likely in the first round, given that they auto-add half of their monster rating on, so mm-hmm. they're adding more than they would in any other round, and they're adding more just because they're still at full monster rating. 
Yeah. It seems like the best way to fight monsters in this game is to spend the first round running away. It's like, what happens in first round? Uh, We shove a hireling over there. For the first round, he gets murdered, and then we start fighting it for real. <laughs> I see no reason to participate in the first round of combat. The monsters are dangerous then. Yeah. It's so weird. <laughs> I mean, they ha- that has to have come up in conversation. I didn't think about that till just now. I mean... <laughs> No, when I first saw that, I was like, fuck, this seems like a really bad death spiral to just be like, what happens? Oh, the first round of combat, the monster kicks your ass. And then after he kicks your ass, you're less effective. And then he continues to kick your ass. It's like when you're playing that Sentinels card game, because, you know, the uh, the villain gets to go first. Yeah. And sometimes the villain will be like, okay, well, I get to go first, so I'm going to play a villain card. Uh, this villain card says I should play seven other villain cards. <laughs> oh, what do you know? And you're... Well, what do you know? This game is more than halfway over, and we haven't done anything yet. <laughs> but in this case, I mean, the problem is I, I just came up with the solution for it off the off the cusp of my ass. Just don't fight during the first round. Engage the monsters and run to the next room and then come back. <laughs> They're going to chase after you, but it doesn't matter. They're going to spend their first round chasing you and not their first round hitting you really hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, God, there's... There's a lot of things in this book that I look at and go, you know, you said that you played this, like play tested this a lot and had people mm-hmm. come back with like, oh, this should be changed or this isn't good. And then he credits made revisions. a ton of people. Yeah. He gives credits to a ton of people over the course of the book. Like he's like, hey, this was one of my friend's idea. Uh, another person I turned over this part of the book to, they came back with this way to do it. And I thought it was smart. So I put that in there. And it, we've it, been it, handing this out to like people at our local game store and at the university, like our gaming clubs. I've had a ton of people play it and give me feedback. And you would think at some point someone would go, hey, so <laughs> combat seems real binary of either if the players win round one, then they get to do damage, and then not only does that damage lower the monster's effectiveness, but then his static value goes from one-half monster rating to one-quarter. So the first right. round, if you win, you just win more later on. But if the monster yeah. wins, he will probably just wreck your shit. Yeah. And again, we were talking earlier about how, like, starting around level four of the dungeon, it's not unreasonable to to expect to encounter a giant demon with a 250 rating. Uh, what would it take to build a 250 rating or higher for players? Well, yeah, because at that point, is, you're looking at 25 dice plus 125. Mm-hmm. And... Which is what? An average of 200? Yeah. You would have to be rolling so many goddamn dice yeah 212 and a half that's the average roll for that 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 balrog on the first turn of combat uh and you know when you look at the weapons there's all these weapons that are fighter only and 14 strength or higher only uh that are like well this is the best possible weapon a fighter could wield it does four dice great (laughs) i don't even know how this is supposed to work i guess the static ratings you get from jacking your strength way up above 18 are supposed to be very valuable I mean, that's what I assume, given that there are, for anyone who isn't a magic user, three stats that let you add on for strength, luck, and dexterity. Mm -hmm. So at that point, you're like, all right, if I rolled well to start with, and I just put all my XP into getting adds in those, then great, I can get, you know, bonuses from a few different places. But you also have to look at the amount of hit points, as we would have call it today that you have the amount of health you have is just your constitution 
So whatever your 3d6 roll, that's how many hits you can take yeah. until you want to spend XP on it. But the XP, every level you get like an option of what to do. Yeah, when you gain a level, you get to do, I think it's, uh, you choose one of, of uh, like seven potential options. Yeah, so you either level. add your new level number to strength, add it, add half of it to intelligence, twice of it to luck, uh, just the new level to con, or half the level to charisma factor, half to dex factor, or half and half to strengthen con. Yeah. I mean, the question you find I find myself wondering is, mathematically, how long are you supposed to spend wandering around the top level of the dungeon before you go down? Are you supposed to be like level two or three or four before you go to the second level? Where are we at? I mean, given that, from what I can sort of gather mathematically, like, you should probably be about double whatever you were going in. So maybe you can go down to level two once you're level two or three but then going down to level three you should be like four to six yeah and, and even so then those on. numbers those numbers aren't adding up at level two you're double you, you're adding your new level number to your strength factor so if you had a strength of 14 you're adding two to that and now you have 16 yeah so that's that's not enough to suddenly overcome the ludicrous uh growth that monsters display no because at that point you're like cool time. i have plus two to my combat and what does the monster have? Oh, they got an extra plus 30. And you're like, ha, 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 great. Except when you think about there's 15 people and you're like, yeah, but all 15 of us got a plus two. So it's plus 30. So it's fine. The, yeah, that's fair. Here, so the base assumption here is, I think, what is fucking with us. Yeah. That this is a game built to play in like a convention hall. Like it's it's bingo or this. Yeah. Like the game for this is. What is this for? This is for everyone in my university's gaming club to play at the same time. We don't split up into different groups. Everyone sits at a table and we all do this. Yeah. And, and you know, ultimately, one of the things about this game is that we've already pretty much talked about everything there is to do. There's not traps. There's not, you know, I mean, people you have to, to talk is. to. He's If you don't have a monster, he's like, oh, you can do a trap. It's basically just a luck rating to get by it, which uh, we yeah. didn't talk about the luck saving throws yeah so that's pretty simple uh at first level saving uh, all saving throws and there's only one kind of saving throw and it's just a roll to avoid any damage you might have taken uh is 20 minus your luck stat uh and then you have to roll i is it it's over. under that that resulting value you have to roll over over you have to roll over that resulting value and the number a, can on, never be less than five so yeah, on a d20 so even if you're on like level one and you've got 18 luck while it would be a two nothing can be below five so it's yeah, just this five. is this is why your luck goes up by twice level number as opposed to uh most of the other stats just going up by level number when you when you level them up because luck has a, a hard cap max at level one but it becomes increasingly valuable as the dungeon rating gets di uh, more difficult to give you an example of this let's say your character does have a 15 luck um so they avoid damage on a roll of five or, or of uh, yeah five or higher on a d20. Uh, when they go down to the next level of the dungeon, that difficulty increases by five. It goes up by five per level. Yep. So it, it, you're, you're suddenly saving on a on a ten or higher. One more level down, a fifteen or higher. Uh, one more level, you can't save against damage anymore. So you have to be raising your luck constantly and at huge rates in order to track the with the uh, with the dungeon difficulty. Yeah. Now at least. Because luck does give you adds to your combat, it's not just 
going to be there for like, oh, the only time you use a saving throw is for ranged combat if someone tries to shoot you, or mm-hmm. the occasional like a trap or a spell or something like that. But generally speaking, it doesn't come up near as much as anything else. So it it at least gives you some benefit to upping it in a decent amount. Yeah, yeah. Um, so basically what, what you learn from this is each time you gain a level, you gain one stat modification. You need those stat modifications to rock it up so that you can remain any kind, retain any kind of competency as you make your way down to the dungeon. Um, basically this is a game that rewards grinding over actual progression, which is interesting to see in an old role-playing game. Like you should not go down to level two. You should stay at level one and just keep earning piddly amounts of money until you're so high level that it's, you're stomping everything and then think about trying level two. Well, yeah, I mean, that's why I was really calling it a push-your-luck thing, because you go, Mm -hmm. all right, well, all of the stuff on level two is going to be worth more, plus I get an extra 100 XP just for coming back from level two. So, like, if you can clear level one and go to level two and then just turn around, then that's just a free 100 XP. Right. Right. And you're out, you're right. You should just drop down and then come back up just to kind of double your XP, but you shouldn't stay down there because you'll get killed. Um, you're just playing a little quick game of who dares to go furthest down these stairs. Yeah. But like I was saying, it's a grind game. Like, you know, anyone who's ever played Final Fantasy VI knows you don't walk right into Figaro Castle. You stand around and fight fart ghosts in the Narchi Caves for a while first. Oh... <laughs> uh... I mean, you just do that. You're, you grind a little, so you're a couple, a couple extra levels higher, so you don't get your ass kicked. I mean, granted, FF6 is crazy easy, but but um, you know what I mean. There are yeah. games where you have to. There are JRPGs where you have to do that. Oh. So I mean, that's it's interesting that that games are supposed to be getting more and more video gamey. Where here we find one where with that straight up has like the Korean MMO level of grinding to it. Oh yeah, and I mean honestly, when I was thinking about what this looks like, I was like. <sighs> This really feels like someone just doing a roguelite as, what do you do? Oh, I take a bunch of people, I go down into a dungeon, I take it as far as I can go until I feel like I'm going to die, and then we skedaddle, and then I'll go to a different place and see how far I can go and skedaddle. Yeah, right. Now, monsters also get saving throws. Uh, they are calculated differently because they only have one number. Uh, so you calculate their number at level one of the dungeon by subtracting their monster rating from 100. Uh, and then you have to, uh, you get to, I forget how you even roll against that. I, I, so uh, the, if the monster rating is such that it gets to zero or below, they automatically succeed. Mm-hmm. And then. Uh, but if it isn't, then I, do they, are they rolling percentile against it or is it still rolling a 20? I think it's, it doesn't even say. No, it doesn't say. I assume you'd still well, it's not even a d20. It's two dice. Oh, right. Yeah. And you use two dice for everything. Yeah. Uh, now, if you, say, uh, had a difficulty greater than 12, you can still roll because if you roll doubles on a saving throw roll, you get to keep that number and roll again until you mm-hmm. stop getting doubles. Yeah. Yeah. So Which you, is, you can. I guess, useful. But, I mean, let's take into account the one example of a, of a fourth-level dungeon monster that the book bothers to give us. Uh, what's his name? Balrog Maximus Meany. Yeah. He has a 250 combat rating, uh, which means that his combat... At fourth combat... level, 250 would be the monster rating, so he would auto-save. He auto-saves against everything. Why are you even checking? 
Yeah, you have to hit him because, again, his hit points is monster rating. So if you yeah. shoved his hit points down to, say, 200, then at that point, it's a 50, uh, and he and rolls... he's auto-failing? Well, what he does is monsters, instead of rolling two dice, they roll the number of dice they would have as their oh, normal right. throw. They roll their combat throw number, so, so, so he'd 200, be rolling 25 dice. Well, at 200, he'd be rolling 20 dice. 20 dice. The average roll of which is a 60... Uh, and, and he would still get it on average. Okay. There you go. All right. Um, God damn. (laughs) It's, there's very weird levels of math in this for someone who was like, I want to take D and D and really simplify it. I was like, man, your combat is weird. (laughs) Yeah. Well, like I said, it feels very fantasy football. You're just building number piles and comparing them. Yeah. It's no single... no single person in this game actually matters because even if you're like, oh, cool, I've, you know, I've got four dice to roll because I'm using a battle axe. I've got like the most dice you can roll and I got way above average. I got like a 22 or something. Great. Uh, Other guy rolled two dice. He got two ones. Who gives a shit? Right. Uh, the next section is gear that you can buy. It just gives you costs and, ge- and gold and weight. Uh, weapons you can buy give you a die rating as well. Uh, so, for example, a sword has a die rating of two. It contributes two dice to your static values when you're using it as a weapon. Uh, a lot of the weapons have rest- uh, requirements or restrictions on them that mostly are just you know strength requirements. Yeah. Uh, any uh, of the hard-hitting ones generally require a strength of 15 or higher, and if you yeah. don't have that, you start losing strength points. Right. Yeah, the the uh, reasonable middle ground is to just, if you don't have a strength of 14 or higher, is to just take a mace, which does more damage than a sword, and Has the only downside else. is it weighs a little more. Yeah, it it costs a little more, it weighs a little more, but it does an extra die of damage and has no restrictions. Yeah. Otherwise, you see, you see things like the the long spear, which is uh, they they it, it automatically say that the long spear has barbed blades, so it gets stuck in people if you stab them with it, unless your strength <laughs> is higher than fourteen. And that was a small child. Oh, I'm sorry. Are you getting walked in? I, I didn't hear anything, so it might be okay. Yeah. No. He uh he just came in and was very distraught that he was not allowed to stay in here. Okay. Um. Then we get to the armor. The way the armor works in this game is it just adds uh, to your constitution directly. So when you're calculating how much damage you take, you'll be like, I have chainmail on, so I have constitution plus five Yeah. in in uh, damage reduction and in, in uh, hits I can take. The, uh, the magic ahead. staff thing is really interesting to me. Oh, yeah. It's so specific. Because either you have a magic staff that is just a regular ordinary staff, it doesn't do anything but allow you to cast spells. Yeah. Uh, if you have a shitty garbage staff that you just sort of like pick up a t- tree branch or something, it has a number of strength points you can cast through it before it blows up. Mm-hmm. But if you buy the deluxe staff, it is created by a 17th level wizard, indestructible, has a name, and retains the ability to cast any spell known to its owner, even if the original owner dies. Mm-hmm. Which is great. It means kill any wizard you find for sure. Oh, yeah. And the thing is, it's only 500 gold, which doesn't seem like a whole bunch because, like, plate it's armor five times. is 500 gold. And that's yeah. just plus 10 hit points, essentially. And instead of that, you could be like, oh, I have all the spells that some 17th level wizard had. 
yeah, absolutely. And, and it's not like you can cast them. You still, it's that they're so expensive and strength spending that you will not be able to cast them anyway. Uh, it, it's just it caught the uh, the super staff, which has to be made by a level seventeen wizard or higher, cannot. Um, <clears throat> Or I'm sorry, it costs five times the cost of a basic staff. Yeah. So if you can afford five basic staffs, you have no reason not to buy the only good staff instead. Well, yeah. And I mean, as a magic user, this doesn't actually have a lot of the same restrictions that, say, D&D did. So you could just go ahead and say... Yeah, I mean, I also want to spend 500 on plate armor for my wizard, because who gives shit? <laughs> um, so, I think it's interesting that it says specifically that they have names, where there aren't magic swords with names in this game, as far as I can tell. Um, <sighs> there's, because... there's a lot of stuff that is just missing from this, that the book kind of hints that, hey, maybe you want to make some stuff up. I don't know, who am I to tell you what to do? I mean, but here's the here's the, the the point I'm driving at. The wizards in this game are explicitly, according to the book, based on Gandalf. Yes. What's Gandalf's staff called? Uh, you know, I'll save you some time. It doesn't have a name. Gl- Glimberrath. It it doesn't. None of the staffs in Lord of the Rings have names. There are five staffs from the from the Order of the Wizards. They're 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 all really cool. I guess you could maybe call Saruman's the staff of power, but all the other ones don't have names. You know what does have names in Lord of the Rings? All the fucking swords. True. You got your Narsil and your Glamdring and your Anduril and your your Sting and your Foe Hammer. They all have names. Yeah. Uh, so so apparently I, I, he just got that backwards. I thought that was kind of funny. Oh. Anyway, uh, uh, <laughs> why don't we talk about the last section of gear? If you would like to purchase some people. <laughs> yeah, there is. Like at first, you look at the section that's human auxiliaries, and. You know, if you know anything about old D&D, you're like, oh, it's hirelings, obviously, because mm-hmm. then you have someone that can follow you around so you can carry out more loot or whatever. And it, no. in the first sentence, gets rid of that. Uh, let me just read this section because I don't want my words to be the ones that are this horrible. Sure. Uh, for those with money to burn, there are two kinds of auxiliary character, slaves and hired henchmen. Slaves have no luck and no charisma ratings and are usually of low IQ. You may select whatever ratings you wish for the other four attributes between 3 and 18. The slave will cost you one gold for each factor at its total rating. Thus, a slave with strength of 10, IQ of 3, constitution of 10, and dexterity of 7 would cost you 30 gold. Your slaves may be female if you so desire, but they will cost you an extra 10 gold to pay for their beauty. <sighs> hey, just so you know, John, uh, if you want a, 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 a fuck slave, uh, that would probably cost you a grand total of, of uh, 14 gold, because why are you giving her any stats? <laughs> uh, it's, just, uh, just... man... Man, game. Come on. <laughs> I guess, actually, it would cost a minimum of 42 gold. Uh, to, no, not 42. Uh, 22. 22 gold to get your fuck slave. Because you need to have at least three in each of the stats. Well, yeah. <laughs> um. So, yeah. This is, this is horrible. Mm, yeah, there's... <laughs> it also automatically assumes that you're definitely going to be playing... It, after the first sentence of the book is like, this is a game for playing as sex or er, er, heroic dudes and women who venture into dungeons. You can buy a fuck slave if you want. They're women and, and uh, they're expensive. Yeah, it's just the game has a lot of assumptions about who's playing this game in it. 
Um, now, you can also hire people with class levels if you'd like to. Uh, you can hire fighters and magic users and rogues. Ninety uh, percent of the description of the pro- of the process of hiring either one of the any one of those is what happens if you try not to pay them. Oh yeah, because they're like, oh, a warrior is going to want a quarter of your profit. What? One yeah, warrior want wants a profit. fourth of my profit? Yeah, and keep in mind that you're you're probably venturing into the dungeon with like fifteen people, so he wants a quarter of the profit. Fuck him. <laughs> yeah, fuck off. You're not getting shit. <laughs> you can have a quarter of my share of the profit, but let's be very clear, that's a very different number. And if you if the warrior doesn't make it back to the surface, then the warrior's guild gets that money instead. So no cheaping out. Ugh. Uh, magic users want one-fifth of any loot that's found, but they'll curse you if you try to stiff them in any way automatically. And rogues, if you cheat a rogue, dozens of rogues will show up and try and kill you. Great. That's all it says about any of those. Like, so if you try to hire them, I guess you just get DMPCs that are running around. Yeah. But don't try and fuck them. And then we get one of this book's classic yuck up type uh, comic strip arts here um, that are, I, I don't know any of these jokes. <laughs> I'm Okay, it's a picture of what's supposed to be a bunch of different helmets. One of them is an athletic cup, and it, it says helmet formerly belonging to Rasha the Timid. Uh, there's a pot that's labeled RAF flight helmet. And most notably, there is a For the Ladies helmet that I am almost 100% sure is a salad spinner. <laughs> I honestly a, a, couldn't tell because it just sort of looked like your standard skull cap. Mm-hmm, but the, the little holes on the inside of it suggest to me, and the thickness of the top suggest to me that this thing is a salad spinner. And that's a joke because you see women are in the kitchen. You see women. <laughs> I'm just trying to remember when the salad spinner was invented as a concept to ensure that it was still a zeitgeist thing in 1975. I don't know. It might have been a colander. It could also just be a colander, yeah. Uh, the patent for the salad spinner was filed in 1973. Ooh. Which means that it was at the height of its popularity. I have to assume that that's the joke then. Who knows? I don't even, I mean, honestly, who still has a salad spinner? <laughs> have you ever even seen one? Uh, Yes. I have seen a salad spinner. No. (laughs) But But I was in a museum once. (laughs) My sister got two different salad spinners as wedding gifts. Oh, okay. Is that her fault for for, uh, putting them on the registry, or was that with those (laughs) jerks going off registry? It's just some random people like, you need a salad spinner. Obviously, you need to dry your very wet salad. My wet salad needs drying. Time to spin. (laughs) Oh, Grandma, come on. <laughs> My salad's all wet. Just like your grandfather likes it. Mm-hmm. I'll have him come in in a minute and toss it. <laughs> My wet salad. You can watch. Uh, <laughs> you can learn Blessings a thing or two. On your joyous, <laughs> Blessings on your joyous day. What are you going to say? Uh, so next up is the way that you make anyone that isn't just a human. And oh, it right, is... and it's... Huge changes. Well, dwarves and elves are just better in every way. Yeah. Uh, dwarves get times two strength in con and everything else is the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, elves get three and a half or one and a half times IQ, uh, one and a half times luck, and then one and a half, one and times, a half times dex dexterity. and two times charisma. Yeah. So elves are just straight up better than everyone. Uh, there's no rules here to balance this in any way. The game doesn't have level caps. So basically just always play as a dwarf or an elf. Yeah, if you can get away with it, which I guess that would be the only thing is your GM goes, oh, no, no one can be a dwarf or an elf. Uh, yeah. But uh, you can be a leprechaun four... if you want. 
<laughs> yeah, leprechauns have half strength in constitution and no other changes. <laughs> there you go. It's weird Leprechaun to is the worst one. It's the one that gets nothing but penalties. Yeah, because the, the thing is, fairies is the next one. They get a quarter strength, but their luck is times two. And I'm like, shouldn't leprechauns get more luck? Come on. They're leprechauns. Yeah. I know, I know. I, I, dexterities get their strength, or, or fairies get their dex divided by a quarter. They cannot fly if they have a strength higher than two. Keep in mind, this makes them useless characters, because uh, we've talked about this a little bit before, but spells in this game drain your strength when you cast them. Well, yeah. So you I mean, have to have just, the strength to drain. Yeah, you're not going to be a caster if you're a fairy, or if you are, you're not flying anywhere, because you're just it, a thick fairy. <laughs> And if you're not a caster, you're a fighter, and fighters use strength. I mean, I guess you could be a fairy with a bow. Yeah. I mean, they get 1.5 times dex. Yeah. So that's that's what you're doing, I guess. And hobbits, who get half strength, uh, 50% more charisma, and double constitution. So they're, they're more or less, if you don't mind the half strength, hobbits are also a very good race to play. Now, uh, it also has a note for like, oh, if you don't want to just have monster ratings then you can make different types of monsters with these sorts of things yeah so, there's a section for making benevolent were beasts <laughs> and then there's a section for giving class levels to monsters yeah like oh if you want to make a thing you can get like a giant will have five times a man's strength okay <laughs> luckily that's not so you can play as one it's it's just so that you can calculate a fighter or a giant with with fighter levels if you want to make a real challenge for your characters yeah all right we're actually man we've been talking a long time i didn't even notice i think we need to get into the spells and get to the last and worst offensive thing in here well yeah i mean spells is basically the end of this anyway there's mm -hmm. a little bit of stuff after it but honestly whatever so spells are, there's less spells per level. You get spells based on what level you currently are. At first level, you just have all of the spells from first level, but from each level beyond that, you have to buy the spells uh, from the mall that strings up outside the entrance to every dungeon in the world. Uh, and the they get, they get increasingly expensive. Is that the, the only thing stopping you from getting the higher level spells is money and your IQ. So mm -hmm. your intelligence has to be uh, a certain level in order to get certain levels of spells, which means I could still be a level one uh, wizard. And if I had enough money, I could buy a level four spell if I wanted to. And I had an intelligence of 16 or better. Right. Um, the spells have names that are just, I don't even, I don't even know what you call this. Just, just dumb. Yeah. I mean, well, there's. Like, okay, uh, what do we have here? Dum-dum, you reduce a foe's IQ to three, or double take, your spell back. Uh, take that, you fiend. Uses IQ as a weapon against foe. Now, I don't even know what that means. Like, I don't know how you use your IQ as a weapon. Is it? Do you just, uh, do you say, I, my IQ is 16, so I hit you with 16 damage? Uh, no, also uh, I assume it is that it actually allows you to use your intelligence like you would your strength, is my assumption? Also, is this the first time in the book that we've seen intelligence shortened to IQ as opposed to int? Yes. I don't know if this was a previous thing where it was IQ and then they changed it to int or vice versa, but for some reason at the spells, they abbreviate everything to IQ for some reason. Yeah. Uh, oh, go away is a spell, and it, it you 
make a rating out of your various other stats and use it to chase monsters off. I can't imagine using this one because it would deny you any XP. Yes. There's uh, <laughs> ups a daisy which levitates things. And you know what, John? I said the the uh the horrible thing about slaves. Why don't you say the uh the name of the spell uh, that the... <laughs> uh, when It's we a were, level 2 spell. When we were reading this and I was going through and I was like, "Man, this this game is dumb and bad." Okay, whatever. I got to the spells, got to the second spell in level 2 and went, "Oh, Jesus fuck." <laughs> Okay, let me just tell you the description. It's to be used only on previously subdued monsters. You total your strength, IQ, and charisma, and it will permanently enslave monsters with ratings lower than that above total. <sighs> the spell is called Yassa Massa. <sighs> Let's have a moment of silence for a joke that was murdered. God fucking damn it. <laughs> just think that a bunch of people were like, yeah, that's worth my money as a Kickstarter reward in the year 2013. I mean... I'm going to really hope <laughs> that the spell names in here got just dropped the moment they made a new edition. Because I I'm have to sure assume so. they've made several editions of Tunnels and Trolls. Mm -hmm. So I'm just hoping that, like, edition two, they went, hey, let's not have just the worst shit imaginable. Yeah, let's get rid of spells that are called things like Curse You or Poor Baby and, and actually have them be interesting. There's a spell in here called Rockabye. Yeah, it's the sleep which is spell. Good. It's the spell that makes me think that everything's going to be all right. <laughs> Rockabye. <laughs> the, uh, the interesting thing to me, though, is almost all of the spells are <sighs> like you'd want to make a wizard mostly to help out other people. Because, like, you can cast Vorpal Blade, and it doubles the die roll for swords and daggers for a conflict turn. Mm -hmm. So you can just be like, oh, cool, here, have a have double your dice. Uh, and that's just a level one spell. But they don't really have much, and there's no place where it gives you a full description. Like, Knock Knock, it's the spell knock, it opens locked doors, parentheses usually. What do you mean usually? <laughs> Well, there's a lot of, like, at the discretion of Dungeon Master in here, uh, which means there's a lot of spells where you can cast them and the Dungeon Master will be like, no, it doesn't do anything. Also, drain your strength by five. It's so weird. Keep in mind that... It's just ahead. the description, and it's all just natural language stuff, and that's about it. Keep in mind that uh, the book advises you that if your strength is higher than your intelligence, you should be a fighter. That low strength is supposed to be the dominion of wizards. Uh, this is a level two spell. It's called Whammy. Uh, it triples the die roll for any weapon for one conflict turn, which could be powerful if you're supporting like a fighter with a battle axe. You can turn his four his four dice into twelve. Yeah. Uh, but it costs you ten of your strength as the wizard to cast it. Yes. Now you you might not even have ten strength at level two. Uh, I mean, presumably you'd be increasing your IQ first so you can get more spells. But. Honestly, I feel like you'd probably throw most of your stuff into strength because you'd be like, all right, the only reason I'm a wizard is because I already rolled a high on intelligence to start with. Mm -hmm. And if you did that, you're like, okay, I'm at if I've got like even a 14, I can get up to level three spells. So I'm going to yeah. spend the first several levels just throwing points into strength. Yeah, that, which that, you're, means you're absolutely right. By the time you get to a high level wizard... It is entirely likely that your wizard 
is going to be like, oh, what's this? I want to cast a level 10 spell. Well, it costs 36 strength to cast this spell. So I've obviously got more than that. Yes. Your your wizard is fucking yoked, bro. The uh, the level 17 spell, Born Again, which allows the magic user to reincarnate himself or another person in a new form and another place with all of their prime attributes intact, costs 208 strength to cast. Now, keep in mind, there is no rules for like, oh, you can lend your strength to someone if someone's casting a thing. Like, do a mm-hmm. ritual spell. No, if you want to cast that level 17 spell, by God, you had better have 208 strength. <laughs> uh, and all of the spells work like this, and it drains your strength, but I don't, I, I don't remember, maybe, John, you saw it and I didn't, the rules for strength recovery. Yes, uh, it is every round you get one point of strength back. Ah, uh, okay. So even if you're like, well, I've only got a 12, I can cast like two spells that cost level five or six mana or strength, and then you have to just kind of hang out for five rounds until you get your shit back. Uh, I'm going to be, in the last couple of seconds, in my head I've been trying to figure out the average strength a 17th level wizard would have if all they did was put their uh, their leveling guides into strength over and over again to see if they could cast that 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 spell mm-hmm. and no uh, if if my head math is correct uh if you did nothing but invest in strength every level from 2 to 17 you would have 162 strength and that's assuming <laughs> a starting value of 10 <sighs> good great <laughs> I mean, you can't do that because the spell also has a minimum IQ to learn of 42. Yeah, the again, the numbers on this, I feel like they didn't really know what the fuck they were doing because they're just like throwing out whatever. I mean, 208 is such a specific number. Now, also remember, in your XP, it's half the level number to IQ. Yeah, which means that you'd be earning roughly half the number I just said, uh, plus ten, or with ten of it not being affected by that, because it would be your starting base. It's uh, it's real nutty. Ugh. God damn uh, it. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it, it's uh, it, yeah, it's insane. It doesn't make any. I, I mean, it's neat that they put all these high level spells in there, but there's no way anyone ever casts them. No, I don't. I honestly have no idea what they were thinking, because. <laughs> There's nothing here past, like, I would say level six. The spells above that, you're just like, no, no, that's not going to happen. Uh, So beyond the spell system, there is what they call the advanced stuff in the book. And it's just, what if the weapons had more fancy names? Oh, yeah. Um, So it's just like, oh, it it was just like, oh, we have like five options. But now here's 70 options, mostly the same. Yeah, and it's just a huge list of daggers, a huge list of swords, a huge list of pole arms. Um, oh, you can have a Bec de Corban. Yeah, you can have a Bec de Corban, or you can have a Tuper Axe, or a, uh, a Belova. <laughs> uh, and then there's a section for just weird weapons you could take if you would like to, like the Ancus, which I like that they list underneath that a skilled user can control elephants with it. Good. Good for that's them. That's actually, I mean, that's that's because he had read about how Mahouts control elephants in India, but they do use a, a little hook thing sometimes called an ankus or a gouge. But what are we doing putting it in here? There's no elephants in this game. I mean, there might be. There's 
<laughs> this whole game li- is just sort of, I don't know, put whatever you want in here. The limits of your imagination. There's a section on how to build dungeons, and it's like, hey, one of my friends built a dungeon that was bear-themed, so it was all like bear architecture and pictures of bears everywhere, and most of the bad guys were bears. And there were traps I- that would turn you into a bear. Yeah, and then I did one that was orc-themed. I was like, okay, I get it. So you, 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 every level's just a thing. Okay, cool. Uh, and uh, that's, I mean, there's not much else to talk about. No, it's just uh, the rules for going to Berserk, and that's it. Oh, God, the Berserker rules are the first time that we get a suggestion that there's a difference between men and women in this game. Maybe. Because the Berserker rules in this game aren't like you can play as a Berserker. They're like, sometimes your character goes Berserk, and it's a bad thing. Uh, because for you, it's a bad thing, because you'll start attacking your friends. Monsters... Go- excuse me, go berserk all the time. And when they go berserk, they're more dangerous and they, they uh, murder you faster. Yeah. Um, but it, the, the very first thing it says is um, only men can go berserk. Now, I don't know if that means only men as in males or only men as in humans, humans. because he's been using men interchangeably for both. Yes. Uh, I would suggest that it's probably means that women can't go berserk specifically because monsters can, so that we know that things other than humans are capable of berserking. Well, it's only man-like monsters mm-hmm. may go berserk. Only those. Right. And yeah. when it says man-like, I assume that means human-like, not just monsters that look like dudes. <laughs> so what we're saying is stuff like, uh, sirens or whatever also cannot go berserk. I assume that he is using man in the human vernacular as like I'm, mankind. I am unwilling to give him <laughs> that benefit of the doubt. <laughs> there's a spell. There's a spell in this game called Yasa Massa. I oh, am I know. Not, I don't I want to go get... to bat for this guy. <laughs> uh, and the book ends on a poem: "Advice for Dungeon Masters," uh, which. Uh, Neither an ogre nor a pussy bee. Thanks, man. <laughs> Glad Thanks. you found it. Th- thank you, Polonius St. Andre, the mad obbot. <laughs> yeah, he's very good at defeating magic rubberized sarrow gates. Uh... This book is all in-jokes because it didn't fucking matter. That's that's really what it comes well, down yeah, to. Well, yeah, when you're like, oh, what did you do? I printed this for like... A few people that go to my college and some of the people for the local game store, I did not imagine it would go past that. And now mm-hmm. we get to look back at what someone wrote while they were at college and go, hey, dude, nah. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I mean, it's it's fascinating, but it's also horrible. Yarp. So uh, so there you go. That's, that's everything that's in this book. I guess that means I got to get to the part where John, mm. it's time for me to ask you, mm. what's your favorite thing in this book? You know, and then pause for just a second so I can play a guitar tune. That's the the jingle for the "What's your favorite thing about this book?" part of the story. <laughs> there you go. Okay. So, and we'll we'll sing an inane little song here as well. You can sing an inane little song. Thank you. I will. Uh, what's your favorite part of this book? Is it the part that's stupid or the part that sucks? You're gonna tell everybody in the audience and also me. Good. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Uh, stupid part. So. Probably the best thing that this book does, as far as an idea, is making monsters be just a number. Damn it. And I know that that's what you're going to say, too, because it's the only only decent idea. Yeah. But 
it really is just like the, oh, okay, we don't need to worry about having like full stat lists and spell lists and everything else for monsters. You know, the game says you can do that if you want, but mostly you can just go, what is this? This is a monster rated 35. It rolls five dice. I don't, I don't fucking care. Yeah, no, that, that and I'm gonna just going to agree with you and hell with the consequences of not taking two favorite things. Uh, that's the only part of this game that lives up to the stated intent of this game, which is, hey, D&D feels a little too complicated. Let's simplify it. Yeah, um, that's the only part that actually simplifies anything. Granted, it, you know, doesn't stick the landing, but it is an attempt to simplify as as opposed to an attempt to, I don't know, switch the language from D&D from hirelings to slaves. Yes. Um, what would you say, my good friend, mm-hmm. is the worst part about this game? Now, pause for just a second, because we do a little drum beat here. I will not pause, sir. No. Oh, okay, well, then you're going to be talking about your least favorite thing over my song. <laughs> the worst part, it's the part that no one likes, especially you. Okay, go. <sighs> Don't start. That's actually just part of the song. <laughs> <laughs> I hate you. You're my <laughs> least favorite part. Uh, that was part of the song. This one's a duet, and John didn't know that it's a duet. Okay. Now he's being quiet rather than contribute to the duet. <laughs> and now I'm going to stop the song. We've been go- It's already a long episode. <laughs> Shut your noise. People need people need comfort in these trying times. <laughs> they, and since they I are can't offer them an egg by my agony. Uh, okay. Worst thing in this book is very clearly obvious, so I feel like I don't need to say it. I mean, <laughs> I mean, which one? Well, I was going to go with the, the horrible Yasamasa. Uh, yeah, that's fair. That's I mean, fair. Honestly, just the entire slavery motif. I was going to say there's the two, uh, the two references to slavery and the one part about monster about, uh, you'd be willing to fuck an ugly person if they had a bag on their head, I think are the, 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 the kind of holy trinity of bad things in this book. Now, if I wanted to go with straight worst mechanical thing in this though, I definitely want to say it's actually the math behind the monster numbers as much as the idea is good the math actually ends up not shaking out unless you are playing it the way that he actually did with, you know, a dozen or more people, because otherwise every monster is just going to rip your shit apart. If you go in with four people and you're like, Oh, the book says I should have you fight someone that's got like a rating of 70 on level one. Oops. It murdered you. And on the first turn, it murdered you. Uh, this this doesn't work. And it, even if you have... It, the problem is, if you have 15 people, you're not losing them. There's no war of attrition. It's just, oh, the people's number is higher now. Yeah. The 15 people also, when you take damage from a monster, it splits the damage total evenly between everyone with mages taking the remainder at the end so that they might get less if there's not an even split. Mm-hmm. But it does mean that unless you are fighting with a whole bunch of people, the damage is going to be too high for a low amount. The uh, possibility of winning is going to be too low. It just, it really needs to have some way of scaling to people rather than just being like, oh, every level it doubles to stuff or rather the way the book actually handles it, which is not at all. 
Right. And if I'm picking a least favorite thing on a moral standpoint, I'm going to agree with you that all the slavery and sexism and, and obvious racism and so on that just permeates this book because it's shitty jokes for a, a, a dude's friends in the 70s. That's all really bad. Mm -hmm. um, if I'm picking a mechanical thing to say is the worst thing in this book, I'm going to say it's just the concept of rogues. Yep. Which, that's the other which, one. <laughs> which are multi-class fighter mages with a high level cap and no way to keep that fighter mage stuff into their transition to either fighter or mage. It's not thought out. It doesn't do anything. It's the worst. Yeah. I mean, it's so weird to me because they're like, oh, you can get to level seven and that's it. And then you can switch to one of the other two. If you switch to warrior, any spells you got, you may as well have just shit that money down the drain because warriors cannot cast spells categorically mm -hmm. and if you switch over to a wizard then you lost all your xp which i guess maybe means you lose the spells maybe you get to keep them like i guess going rogue to magic user might be slightly okay but you still lose four levels yeah you're just losing four levels you should have just been a mage in the first place it's so weird it's so bad yeah so uh, that's I'm going to say that's the worst thing mechanically, uh, but ultimately we can agree on what the worst thing is, uh, you know, otherwise. It's yes. just all the bad jokes that shouldn't be here. Mm hmm. All right. Uh, John, let me ask you a quick question. Would you play this game? Oh, good God. No. The mm -hmm. only way it would be possible to be played is with 15 people. And I don't even like five people. So <laughs> 15 is right out. <laughs> I mean, I play a lot of role-playing games with people I don't like, because I only like, like, two people. <laughs> so, I mean, it's possible, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I wouldn't want to play this by any stretch of the imagination. It's just... It, no, this is it, an interesting relic, more than yes, anything that, else. That's, that is what it is. It is a weird so, look back to the very first instance of a heartbreaker where someone goes, Nah, I know better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and and thus spawned our whole career. Indeed. Thank you, Tunnels and Trolls, for really making sure that everywhere people could get the gumption to go, nah, I should write a, a better version of D&D. &D. <laughs> and every once in a while, someone actually does, and that's the role-playing game industry. <laughs> all right, everyone. Uh, I think we're all done here, John, unless you got anything else to say. Uh, no, not really, outside of, hey, bonus content! Let's talk about that. We got bonus content. If you go to patreon.com slash system mastery and support us at the $1 level or up, you will get access to the bonus content we're about to do where we are going to make characters in this game we just reviewed. That is correct. And you can find that by going to, as John said, patreon.com slash system mastery. There are other levels on there as well that unlock additional bonus content. On average, we make about seven bonus episodes a month, which makes it an amazing value for your hard earned money. Indeed. Or your, your you know, hard-fought hard stimulus package or whatever. Actually, don't spend that on us. Absolutely do not. <laughs> For 1,000% do not. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, it's over there. It's at Patreon. We're, we're here to help. We're going to keep recording all the way through the pandemic because, honestly, I, I don't know how I live anymore without recording. It doesn't make sense to me. Oh, yeah. Well, also, <laughs> this is like the only time we socialize. <laughs> It's very true. I mean, every once in a while, I'll talk to my neighbors over a fence. <laughs> oh, good. Do they have advice for you about your wife and kids? 
I, I'm going to be honest, the neighbors to one side of me, I think, had a whole ass wedding a couple of days ago. <laughs> like, there's still flowers and crap sitting out in the backyard, but there were like, our, our street had a party. There were 50 cars outside. There were a million people over there. Jesus Christ, people. I think they were just, I think they were just like, fuck it, we're not canceling the wedding. Are you kidding me? <sighs> you know. So, uh... <laughs> Uh yeah, and the other the only other socializing I've done recently was uh, using a flashlight to watch cats fight and then fuck in in my uh in the cr- the sort of yard space outside my bedroom. Yeah, I also rented cats again. <laughs> yeah, I got that butthole edition. <laughs> All right, that well, special <laughs> special butthole edition where you find out that Growl Tiger's big secret is that he's the two buttholes cat. <laughs> One eye, That's- two buttholes. <laughs> That's why they cut his song. Oh, I'm Growl Tiger. I is, and I have two butts. Two butters. <laughs> Each one as smooth as a butter could be. Yep, that's his song. Yep. I'm very musical today. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you in that bonus content. Otherwise, you stay safe out there, wash your hands, and have a good week. Bye.